Hi friends, this is episode 7 of season 1 of the That Christian Next Door podcast. This episode is the last of the season, the theme of which is the Christian journey. The episode is a culmination of what we feel has been a faithful perspective and snapshot in previous episodes of our lives as Christians in the 21st century. In this episode, I, Sam, the host, speak in conversation with my good friend and recurrent podcast guest, Carlos Egobe Ope, about what Jesus means when he describes himself in the biblical book of John 14 verse 6 as the way, the truth, and the life. This description is a critical message in the gospel and represents the focus of this last episode. Be blessed. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. Um, good to see you. Happy New Year. And um, today we are talking about the way, the truth, and the life. And for Christians, the meaning of that basically is Jesus Christ, right? Hi, Sam. Happy New Year to you too, yeah. Um, I can see you're going straight in for it. So, yeah, that's just about Jesus and um, about his nature and about, you know, as we go further, we'll see about what he talks about um, or what, what he actually means by um, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, um, according to um, John 14 and 6. Yeah, when I looked through it a little bit myself uh, earlier, because we just talked about it there not too long ago, but I remember when I looked through it myself, um, what stood out to me was that Jesus seems to be at pains to kind of point out that in their search for the Father, in their search for this father figure, you know, this one that provides and protects and, you know, historically is known, you know, as as God and, you know, was there for King David, was there for King Solomon, was there for all these great, you know, historical figures in, in Israel. In their search for him, they were expecting something else, but actually it was right there in front of them, the man that they had been walking with, um, you know, for the last three years or so of their lives. So would that be the same thing you also got from, from that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we've done this topic a lot in religion in sixth year. Um, we actually study about the historical context of Jesus in his day. And, you know, you know when we look at this thing, we see how um, we have different factions of the Jewish people, of how we have, you know, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and, you know, the Zealots. And each of them had different expectations of the type of person that Jesus will be, as you were just saying. So, you know, like with the Sadducees, they expected somebody to be like Moses, somebody who will actually take them out of the land which they were under, because, you know, they were, at that time they were under Roman rule. So they expected somebody like Moses who delivered them, you know, from the hands of the Roman Empire. And as you just mentioned, like the, the other group, the Zealots, expected somebody like David who will come and, you know, you know, be violent and deliver them. So, you know, we had different expectations of who Jesus would be and, you know, what he would actually stand for and, and represent here on earth. So um, I think that was the main tension. In, and it's, it's still a tension now is who is Jesus and how do we see him in, in our time? Mm. Um, okay. When I was, you know, meditating and praying and asking for guidance about this season, what stood to my mind was this idea of the Christian journey. And actually, um, it's, it's, it's hard to say exactly how I came across it. But anyways, I knew that it was the Christian journey that we had to focus on. And then it so happened that you started talking about relationship in, in your um, session with me. And then that became the, the topic of the first uh, episode. But 
really then you know if we're talking about relationship if we're talking about the journey then there's a road right and this road has to lead somewhere and that somewhere is god that somewhere is his heart that somewhere is his presence now we need to talk then about the way so we have said here through john 14 verse 6 and i'll read it Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So you have someone here, Thomas in this case, looking to know, looking, you know, hungry for knowledge. And that's us, really. So we're hungry for knowledge. And the Lord is saying to us, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. What do those three words, way, truth, and life, what do they actually mean in real life, so to speak, in real yeah. terms? You know, when we talk about the way, the truth, and the life, we just break it down, you know, for each of them. The way in its own meaning is path. You know, when someone talks about the way, um, we have our GPS, we have our Google Maps, and when time we get lost, we always want to know the way to go. So... In our journey, as you mentioned, we need to have a sense of direction. We need to have a path to follow. So that's what the way speaks about. It speaks about that path. Now, the truth then speaks of what we believe is morally right or wrong. What we believe is just. What we believe is supposed to, you know, be our, gui uh, our guide in that way which we follow. So that is true. And as we go on, we'll, we'll, we'll get different um, ideas and different ideologies of what truth is actually because we will then see that truth isn't actually a concept but truth is a person which is christ himself because he says i am the way and the truth so he's not just speaking you know parables he's he's actually giving you the fact that he is truth he is truth and even if we, we read through the scriptures i believe in, in psalm 119 um it says that the, the law is truth so we begin to say, okay, you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about how God's law is true. And here we have um, Christ himself proclaiming himself as truth. So we now see that, okay, if law equals truth and Christ equals truth, therefore Christ is also the law. So it gives us the idea that, you know, we should get away from this understanding of, you know, truth is my truth or your truth or opinions or perspective or objective or, you know, subjective opinions. But rather we should understand that Christ himself is truth. And finally, he also proclaims himself by saying, I am life. And I believe I spoke about this in episode one of how, you know, we all seek for more. We all seek for something greater than this world. And, you know, we, we, we want to know what happens next, what happens after our death. And Christ says, comes up um, with this idea that, you know what, forget about everything that happens after death and find me, for I am the life. I am life. Whatever you're seeking after that, no, don't seek after it, seek me. I, I want to get your um, understanding of, you know, how you see these three um, words, way, truth, and life. I don't know. Can I get it from you, um, your own understanding of it? Yeah, to be honest, an interesting concept. You know, I, I think there was a time in my Christian growth and my Christian journey where I just felt like, look, you know, there's so much in the Bible. It's, it's a lot to really try and understand all I have to focus on is just do right by God, just obey whatever he says and, you know, go to church and, you know, pay my tithes and offering and just, you know, be nice to people as I'm led to be. 
And I find as I've grown that, yes, it's, it's okay to do that, but there is more. And it requires, the Christian journey requires, and Christianity requires an intimate understanding of God. You know, yeah. absolutely, like we, we can obviously do the kind of basic things, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself, love God with all your heart, and all, you know, and say, well, I'm, I'm just going to stick to those two. And maybe in some cases that's okay, but there, there is actually a place for growth. And there's a place for saying, okay, yes, I, I know those two commandments, but actually now I really want to dig deeper. Because actually we get to know more of God by actually getting to know more of Him. So with that in mind, it's not enough to just say, I'm just going to exist as a Christian. We actually need to know what the way, the truth and the life is. I think I agree with what you said um, regarding these three different things, the way, the truth, and the life. In terms of the way, I think in our search for meaning, in our search for, you know, an encounter with God, in our search for the purpose of our lives, in our search for the plan for our lives, the way that we approach God is through Jesus. That's just what it means. As we are... Obviously, God loves us and we've given our lives to Him. Ideally, we come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, that should be Hebrews 4, I believe. I'm not sure. I know you're, <laughs> you're better at these things than me. <laughs> I just quote. But, um, and it goes to show, actually, that that's what I'm talking about, where I, I wasn't, you know, coming up in my Christianity, I wasn't trying to be bogged down by detail. But I realize that if you want to have an in-depth knowledge and if you want to reach people, you will need detail. Anyways, so in order to come to the throne of grace, in order to come to God, what you find is that actually when you arrive at the throne of grace, who is there? Jesus is there. The Son of God is there. And God himself is there. And it's no surprise that Jesus is there because actually Jesus is God. So when you think, oh, I want to come to the Father, absolutely, yeah, you'll come to the Father, but really the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. So if somehow you have it in your mind that I'll just skip past Jesus, I'll just sidetrack that and just go straight to the Father, you, you kind of miss the essence of who he is. I think as well, Jesus, who he is and what he represents is as you rightfully said, tough to swallow. So you have certain groups of people with certain different expectations of who the Messiah should be. They didn't even know his name would be called Jesus, but you just have all these different expectations of who the Messiah will be. And the fact of it is that those expectations get in the way. Those mindsets that we have get in the way. You know, we expect something maybe in our mind and it probably turns out that, you know, that's actually not what it is. And I think in order to find the way, we have to get rid of those assumptions. And I think that's why Jesus is, you know, is saying, I am the way. Because it's like, 
there's there's not going to be any other thing but what I say it is. This is me here. You're going to have to accept me. And, you know, there's a place as well, you might notice it talks about how the gospel and, and the preaching of Jesus is a stumbling block to some people because, you know, they, they just can't accept. And, yeah. you know, it, it's no wonder that Jesus is the way because in order for us to have the experience that we crave with God, the relationship that we crave with God, we are going to have to get rid of our exemptions, our dignity, our things that we hold dearly to us, the, the alabaster box, as was mentioned in episode two. Just preconceptions, notions, we just have to strip everything and just take him. And then that's the way. I'll just stick with the way. Why do you think? What, like, why do you think it's it's hard for us to embrace this truth? Like, when Christ then says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, what do you believe is stopping us from just saying yes? I, I take it that way because you know it's actually given us the answer which we are looking for. You know, because the, the disciples themselves have been looking for this way, and you know, Christ comes and says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Follow me. You know, seek after me. But then we still turn to struggle. We still turn to look for other paths to God. And I, I always ask myself, why is that so? Because I, I believe that, you know, this is this is what Christ came to do. He came to give us knowledge which we didn't have. And I believe it's in one scripture in the verse, he says that it's not meat for me to share. Um, it is not good for me to share the meat that belongs to the children of God with dogs. You know, so he, He's, he came upon the earth to give us revelation, to give us truth about what we, we have been doing wrong. He came to fulfill the law and himself is the law. So my question now is, why do we struggle to accept the fact that Christ is the way to God? Why can't we? The verse says it. Christ said it himself. Why do we still look for alternatives um, to seeking God? Why can't we just seek Jesus? Because he is the way. Um, I don't know if you get my question, but no. I just think that we tend to struggle a lot um, with this. Yeah, I absolutely get your question. I, I think one of the reasons why we struggle is because there is a way that we want to do things. Yeah, right. I think it's Proverbs 14. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is destruction. Exactly. There's, there's just the way we want to do it. And what you find is that in any journey to find God, no matter who we are, where we are, our background, our history, in every single person's journey, there are some things that are common. If there are commonalities, you're going to have to give your life to Christ. What does give your life to Christ mean? And what does it involve? Humility. You're going to have to get down and say, I had it wrong this whole time. That's, that's just one of the things. You're going to accept that I need to be better than I am right now. And I can't be better on my own. I need the help of God, of the Holy Spirit, to change me from the inside out. You're going to have to say, well, I've been doing this for the past 10, 5, 3 years. It's totally wrong. I need to do something else. Imagine how difficult it is to let go of something that you're so invested in. 
right? So, for instance, if you're, you know, a, a person who, um, you know, never believed in marriage and you just thought that you could just jump from relationship to relationship and just continue that way, and now you're being told, actually, the only context that God will approve of being with somebody in a close relationship is in marriage. And you've never believed that your whole life. And maybe you don't have that example, maybe based on parents or, you know, people around you. When you have to give that up, that is tough. So actually what you find is that it, it's the things that we have to give up that make it hard. I, I give an example of Paul and the apostle. And I think he talks about this in Philippians or so where he talks about how he's of the tribe of Benjamin, he was a Pharisee, he was uh, circumcised on the eighth day, and all these different things. And those to him were his qualifications. But then he found out that he had to give those up because they meant nothing. And that's why it's difficult. Because you have somebody who is telling us everything you have done so far, or almost yeah, everything right. you have done so far wasn't even up to it. You have to give it up and start again with me. Yeah. That's tough. What about yourself uh, in terms of uh, the way? What does it mean uh, to you? I agree because, um, you know, as you were saying, like we, we spend our lives um, going here and there, you know, seeking God, but we don't actually see that, you know, the only way to God is Christ. And as, as I mentioned in the, the first part of um, this talk is that the way is actually um, the compass and the GPS that we, we need. So we can spend our lives, you know, let's say we want to get from A to B. We can try so many ways to, um, you know, get to B. We can try so many routes. We can try so many paths. Um, while Christ is just that straight line to A to B. And, you know, it, it will save us so much time. And because you, we might actually, even if we can start from A and, you know, use a different route, we might actually never get to B. But with Christ, we know that, you know, we are actually going to get to B because he is that way. And, you know, I just wanted to mention that, that you know, Christ is that way and we should seek him. I believe it's also in Acts chapter, I think, 4 verse 12. Peter says that, you know, no other, no other name apart from the name that is Jesus shall any man be saved. Um, so we should actually, you know, understand that Christ is that name um, which gives us access to the Father, as you say in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us come boldly to the of grace. We only have access to that privilege through Christ. And that's a great thing, um, which, he, um, which he did. But through him, we, we may have access to the Father. Um, but if only we could accept the fact that he is the path to him. So it's just the way is the path to God. Because, you know, as I said, they've been looking for many paths, but Christ just makes it um, plain by saying, I am that path. And then he follows it by saying, I am the truth. And of course, that I am the life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing is, uh, you know, Jesus often talks about how, you know, he speaks the mind of God. You know, that whatever he says is what the Father has said to him. He's just in agreement. And yeah. the fact of it then is, or, or rather, when you think of it from, you know, the other side of it, if Jesus is saying, I'm the way, it's because the Father is saying, you are the way. And if you want to get to the Father, you have to abide by the rules of the Father. 
right? We talked about this, I think, in the first episode where we're like, yeah, absolutely, you can identify as a Christian all you want, but it comes with responsibilities. It comes with duties. And the duties are that this is what God says, and that's going to have to be what you do. That's how you go ahead. I love what you're saying. And I, it's the same thing which is um, reiterated in John 14, because we read John 14, verse 6, which talks about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. But just the first part, which I'm just going to read now, in verse 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled. And he says, ye believe in God. That's a fact. Ye believe in God. Ye believe in the existence of God. Now he follows it by saying, believe also in me. Because he's trying to get you um, to understand that him and God are one. You believe in God, but why can't you believe in me? It's almost like a, it, you can't really see it, but it's almost like a cry. But like Jesus is saying, like, I can't believe you guys believe in God, but you can't believe in me. So he's pleading with them in verse 1. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And just, just to add on what you were saying. Yeah. I, I think as well, actually, with the coming of Jesus was the coming of a new plan for man, right? This new covenant. And I think the belief in God that you reference in verse 1 is the old covenant. Oh, yeah. Thou shalt have no other God but me. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Uh, you know, it's, it's coming from that, that train of thought, from that place. But actually, Jesus is actually now saying, hold on, there is a new covenant, there is a new plan, and I want you to realize that part of this new plan is that there's not just God the Father, there's God the Son as well. And you're, you have to accept that. And then not even that, there's the Holy Spirit as well, who I will send to you after I leave. And I think it's, it's possible that they were still operating quite innocently, quite ignorantly, obviously, um, based on the old system, right? Oh God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, you know, Jehovah Sikenu, all these different things. Yeah. But then it's like Emmanuel, God with us. They hadn't grasped that yet. Yeah. Right? His name shall yeah. be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. They hadn't grasped that yet. And Jesus was like, okay, hold on, just... Just, just hold up. I'm here now. And you're going to have to accept me that I'm here. That's the only yeah. way this is going to, that's the new way now. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Even exactly what you're saying is just, I'm reading the verse right here and I'm seeing you, you're just giving it, you're just giving the breakdown of the verse I'm reading now. It's just in the same John 14, um, verse 9. Jesus is speaking to Philip here. Or I, I'll give you from verse 7. He says, If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. And I'm going to jump, jump, jump to verse 10 because it says, Believest thou not that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwelleth in me. He doeth good works. So it's just that the fact that, you know, these people have just been used to God, but they have not seen Jesus in God and God in Jesus. You know, so... That was the struggle. That was the struggle. And to, to bring this new movement, to bring this new idea that I am that way is just, as you said, it's very, very difficult because we have been used to, like the Jewish people in those days, they've been used to a teaching a way. And for them to unlearn this, um, you know, is, is very difficult. But it doesn't stop the fact that it's the truth. You know, it stands. Yeah, I think as well, 
when you have somebody with the appearance of Jesus just kind of walking on the streets, it's it's not what you expect God to look like. It's not what you expect the Son of God to look like. You know, oftentimes when people in the Bible declare that Jesus was the Son of God, it was often after they have had an incredible experience. So, for instance, if you remember the Roman soldier at Calvary, when Jesus died and the earth was shaken and the sky went black, then he said, oh yeah, he's the Son of God, truly, right? Um, but when Jesus appears as he is or as he was, just kind of doing the usual normal things, it doesn't, it, it, it can't. And you see, this is the idea that Jesus, as he appears, as he has decided to, um, how will I say, project himself now, is a stumbling block. Because it's like, how? How can this be God? And I think it's also something that we can draw a parallel to nowadays, where it is hard for people to believe that there is God, that there is, you know, more to life than everything that's going on here because they're not seeing broken legs being fixed in front of them you know like they they don't understand that god can exist even in the ordinary it doesn't have to be miracles and signs and wonders and thunder red seas red seas parting and and all those different things you know and this is the stumbling block But the fact of it is, once you jump that hurdle, and once you jump that stumbling block, that's where the power is. It's difficult to do it, but that's where the power is. And that's why that's the hardest decision you will ever make as a Christian. You will ever make as a human being, rather, to choose to accept Jesus Christ. Because actually, once you accept, and I think I said this before, once you accept, theoretically, it should be easier. Right. Once you say, Lord, you are my God, then if he is your God, then he tells you go, you go. He tells you come, you come. But that's the hardest part. But that's where, you know, that's where the, the difficulty is and that's where the power is. We talk, or I think I talk in my own circles about, you know, we think about jobs in the jobs marketing, in people's careers. And the, most money is paid to people with the most responsibility, right? Um, you think of the president, or you think of the T-shop, or you think of the head of the HSE, or you think of, you know, whatever it is, the most money goes based on the responsibility, right? A junior doctor is going to make so much less than a consultant, for instance, right? So you you get to see then that, Actually, the real power in Christianity is in the most difficult thing. And that's just the truth anyways in in normal life. The the real power is in the most difficult thing you have to do. So that's that's the way I I see it anyway. That it's just part of the, the wonderful nature of God. That he uses the simple things of the world to, you know, confound and to, to... To... You know, he's not making it difficult. He's not making it difficult, you know, but you do have to obey and you do have to give things up. 
I can't, you can't say you're a Christian if you have no record of things you've given up. Yeah, no sacrifice. No sacrifice. And the sacrifice is to say, I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm going to go his way, Jesus' yes. way. And that's, that's the tough part. I wonder, do you have anything more to say about the way? Uh, no, I think that's covered much of it. That's okay. okay. Okay, fair enough. So we move on then to the truth. Yeah, um, it's just this idea that um, when we speak of truth, we talk about your truth and my truth. And, you know, and when we continue to do that, we reach a point where everything just becomes false. But then we see when Christ says that I am the truth, we, can't, we begin to understand that the truth isn't really about the concept. Or it isn't really about, you know, a statement. But it's really about a person by him saying that I am the truth. And I was speaking about in the Old Testament of how, you know, before we used to see that the, the law of God was his truth. That was according to Psalm 119, it says that the law is true. But I just wanted us to understand the fact that that still stands. But this time around, the law is in Christ. Christ is the law. And how do I know that? Because as I said in John chapter 17, verse 17, that and we understand the fact that Christ himself is the word of God. Therefore, Christ himself is true. You know, so anytime we, we plan to look for truth, um, anytime we, we want to know what is right and you know what is wrong, we shouldn't look to the world, we shouldn't look to ourselves, but rather we should focus on Christ for himself is truth. And you know, and it sounds very, really, you know, metaphorical to be saying those things, but it, it is in fact um, true in the sense that Christ himself is truth. So I, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but um, mm. yeah. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, as a Christian, I have to agree. You know, I mean, I have to accept when Jesus says a statement like that, I am the truth. And it's, it's something that as a Christian, initially, you don't have to fully understand, but yeah. you do have to accept it. And I think it's in that acceptance. And again, it comes to this idea of giving up the things that you hold dear to you, giving up your reputation, giving up your sense of dignity, giving up your, your logic and saying, okay, look, Lord, yeah, you're the truth. Please explain to me how you're the truth. And you, you do that and that's how the journey starts. So how is Jesus the truth? Well, we know, anyways, in my, in my understanding, we know as Christians that all things are by him, through him, for him, in him. So in him, Jesus. So God the Father created things in such a way that they exist for Jesus, by Jesus, through Jesus, in Jesus. Everything was given to Jesus. Every knee bows to Jesus that at the mention of his name, all knees will bow. So we know then that if this is the case, then everything is subject to Jesus. Everything is subject to God. Everything is not subject to me, right? So I can say, well, tomorrow it's going to rain. It may not happen that way, but that's because it's not subject to me, right? So if it were subject to me, then I can define the truth. Tomorrow it will rain. But then on Wednesday it will be sunny. Right? Something like that. Or next week, Sunday, it will be snowing. So I can then define. So it is based on the person by whom things exist that you define the truth. And that person so happens to be Jesus. So he is the truth, the one truth. Things exist by him, 
for him, in him. He decides this is what it is, and that's it. Yeah, and to, just to add on what you're saying is that, you know, when we talk about truth, um, we, we shouldn't think of it as a fact. That's what I'm saying, that truth isn't a fact. Truth is a person, and that is Christ. Because as believers or as people in general, when we tend to look for truth, we, we tend to look for something that is right, right? And when we talk about right, righteousness, and who else is righteous than Christ? Because when we begin to find your truth and my truth, we begin to hold ourselves as righteous. We begin to place the standard on ourselves, our lives. But the only person who is not false, who is not misleading, is Christ himself. He's the only person who holds the, 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 the standard of righteousness. When we talk of somebody who is righteous, no one else is righteous than God himself, which is Christ. Mm. Even when we see um, Jesus being tempted by the devil, we see the devil giving him truth because he was quoted scripture to him. But the devil as well, like the, most of us, we make the mistake that we don't understand that the person who we are quoting truth to is truth. You know, so when we begin to go away from this understanding that, you know, I have my truth and I have my understanding of morality, my understanding of what is right, we, we then, you know, blind ourselves from actually experiencing truth, which is Christ. No person holds the standard of righteousness apart from him. Therefore, when we seek for truth, we should seek him. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes it makes perfect sense, actually. Uh, and I think what it means is that if we're trying to do anything, be it good, be it kindness, be it goodness to people, in so far as we do it without God, we're kidding ourselves. Because the person that makes what we do worthwhile, the person that makes what we do of any use is Christ. So when we ever try to create a kind of rule for our own selves, when we try to, you know, create a, a, a set of beliefs for our own self, it will never stand up to God's criteria. It will never stand up to God's standards. If I was to try and bring that into the world we have today, um, I think I just did actually, you know, you have a lot of people and this is a, a serious issue. A lot of people who believe that just based on the actions that they take every day, you know, just trying to be a good person. A lot of people get trapped by that. But the truth, the truth is Jesus. And your goodness is only good if it abides by Jesus. I need to rephrase that. Your goodness is only as good as you think it is if it is in line with what Jesus says is good. And that's the truth, because he is the truth. So it, it's, it's, it's one that we have to grow into. I don't think it's one that we can fully kind of uh, explain. I think it's something that we have to experience for ourselves. Again, it comes down to letting go and saying, Lord, you're the truth. What you say is true. What you do is true. The way you lived your life is true. I'll live my life that way. It's difficult because, again, we have to admit we're wrong. Yeah. Um, but philanthropy is nice. Let's do it. Let's help people out who need help. Let's help people who are less privileged. But when it's done without God, it's still good and it's still nice. But you don't become a truth to yourself. 
oh, I'm a really good person. No, you're a really good person because God says you are, because Jesus says you are, because you do what you do based on him, because of him. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one. But that's the nature of us. So, you know, the truth, uh, I actually did um, a couple of years ago on on the Instagram page, Pure Milk Strong Meat, a, a long series on truth. And yeah, if, if anyone ever wants to check it out, you just have to scroll down a little bit when you get on the page and you'll see it. But the truth is, is, is a serious business. And it's something that we are going to have to, in a way, just accept for the time being in our journey as we grow. And then true kind of meditating on the word, true teaching, you know, I, I don't know how many Christians actually listen to teaching, you know, like actually just listen to um, a pastor actually preach, not in their church, now just actually outside a church, you know, just put up a YouTube video and, and watch um, someone teach the word, like type in the truth, Jesus Christ, and, and see what comes up. Now, obviously, not everything that comes up is is ideal, but, you know, I guess go by how the Spirit leads, and you can always contact us for resources, you know, through our website or our email. But uh, just to go back again to this idea of the truth, we cannot make our own truth. We can't tell ourselves things. We can't. As Christians, we can't anyways. You know, it, it's all good and well to say I'm a nice person. But you are only nice if you are nice based on Jesus Christ. If you love based on Jesus Christ. And I know it's, I know it's hard. Some people gave gifts during Christmas, right? They gave gifts to their friends, to their families, to their neighbors, even to people they don't know. That's, that's just normal human goodwill. I say normal, it's probably not normal. But that's human goodwill. That's from God. But we need to go the whole way. Like, yes, I want to be a good person. I want to be a nice person. But the truth is, you can only be that through Jesus Christ. You can only be that through accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And saying, his example is the best example. And I'm going to love people and I'm going to give gifts to people as Jesus gave us example to do. Okay, so that's the truth. Then we are left then with the life. So I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what does the life mean, um, Avery? Well, <laughs> good question. Well, the life, as I said before, is just um, speaking of what is next. What is after, you know, this way? What is after this truth? What, what is after is life. And, you know, Christ comes out by saying that I am the life. I am everything that you seek after this life. I'm everything that you seek, you know, after you've obtained what you believe is, you know, necessary, what you believe is, you know, your purpose. I am that which is after. And um, I love this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. It says, enter through the, the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And you know, when he talks about this narrow road, he speaks of himself that leads to life. So when we begin to seek for what is, you know, after this life, or, you know, many people th tend to think, okay, so I've done what is right in the sight of God, but then, you know, where do I end up in? 
what do I seek for after? And Christ says, just seek me because I am light. I will give you what you need after this world. So if we begin to hold firm to his word, um, I think um, we'll understand that, you know, through him, we can obtain eternal life. Through him, we can obtain, um, you know, more of what is found in this world. And I, I think it also uh, there's a scripture that references that, you know, Christ himself is um, the bread of life. And, you know, he says, I have words which are eternal life and whosoever finds life um, and whoever believes in me has eternal life. So that life is, you know, I don't want to put the adjective there, which is eternal there, but it just speaks of eternal life. So when I talk of mortality, I'm thinking of what is after this life. So when you seek for more, you're actually supposed to seek for Christ. You know, I think it's in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. It says that I am he that is who was, who is, and is to come. So when you're seeking for what is to come, when you're seeking of what's next, don't seek um, what's in this world. Seek Christ, for in Him lies what is to come. And I know if it's not really necessary, especially to um, you know somebody who is just starting off as a believer. Um, but I think it's also important that we, we 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 get that idea that you know this Christian journey isn't just about this world. It's there's more to it. And when we start talking about the more of it, we start looking for life, eternal life. And Christ gives us the depiction that I am that eternal life. Mm. And I don't know if, if that makes sense to you, but, you know, as I said before, he is the bread of life. So the life that we seek is in him. And it's a very, very bold claim um, that Christ makes. But, you know, that's, that's it, that he is um, the bread of life. We have eternal life through him. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, you know, but have eternal life. I'm quoting the scripture now. When we believe in him, when we believe in his words, that we'll have eternal life. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's that's John three sixteen. God so loved the world and gave his only begotten Son. Um, and I, I like that you use that phrase, the bread of life. And it's not a phrase you came up with. It's it's actually in the Bible. Um, and the idea is that you know when you think of bread, this is sustenance. Right. Yes. And he is the sustenance that gives eternal life. He is the, the feeding that gives eternal life. And it, it's again, you know, for those who have it in their mind that this is going to be difficult, this will be difficult. You know, for those who do not want to accept this, for those who want to really question this, it will be difficult. And look, I think in Christianity, there is a place for questions. There is a place for questions. But I think that when you hear, then there is also a place for this kind of, okay. And if you kind of approach Christianity with lots of questions and you enter and you persist with lots of questions, I think not that there is anything particularly wrong with that. I think you need to kind of examine yourself and, and think the questions that I have, what is the real reason for these questions? And when I have the answer for these questions, what need does the answer fill? And I don't mean this to disregard anybody's uh, you know thoughts and feelings and questions, but just to know that sometimes some of the questions we have and some of the the answers that we think we need, we need to actually kind of ask ourselves a question. Where are these questions coming from? 
why is it that there is such a need, a doubt about everything that has been said? You know, when you think about the life, it, it refers to eternal life, as you said. It also means that there is more to everything that we go through in life than meets the eye. For someone who's not a Christian, that's, that's a lot. There is more to this life than just being born, going through all the things you go through and dying at the end. And when you've lived your life thinking that way and believing that way, it is difficult to come back at some point and say, actually, hold on, I'm wrong. It's difficult to hear somebody come to you and say, you're wrong. And I can understand how you will want whoever that person is to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you are wrong. But it goes back to this. The most difficult thing you have to do as a Christian is the most powerful thing you could do. Because in that difficulty, that's where you have the most power. The most difficult thing to accept Christ, to accept God, to accept the way he has said things to be, will give you power. Not power in the way we understand it, but the power of knowing the way. The power of being able to discern the truth. The power of being able to enjoy eternal life. So, Jesus as the life. Uh, signifies eternity, signifies that there is more to life than what we have around us. It signifies that if you're not a Christian, you do have to change. And I think a lot of people would be Christian if they didn't have to change, right? A lot of people would be Christian if there wasn't this idea of eternal life afterwards that you had to somehow qualify for. Right. If it was just, okay, well, look, just sign me up. Yeah, sure, I'll be a Christian. A lot of people would be. But the fact of it is that there is sacrifices to be made. And in order to get that eternal life, a sacrifice was made. And a sacrifice being made by God sending his son to die on our behalf requires a sacrifice ourselves. Actually, I'll just drop this in. There is amazing symmetry in the Bible, in Christianity. Oftentimes, one thing leads to another. Your faith in God will lead to salvation. Your work for God will lead to blessings. It's, it's very rare that something happens and there is no reciprocal to us. It's very rare that something happens and there's no other side to us. So when Jesus says, I am the life, when he's given himself so that he is the life to us, it requires something back. The last thing I will say, you know, with regards to this is that the times as Christians that we know when there has been no reciprocity, where something happened, but nothing else happened on the other side, things didn't go well. So if you remember, there was a time when Jesus was with his disciples and he came across a fig tree that wasn't producing fruit. He was hungry at the time. He saw the fig tree wasn't producing fruit. And he wasn't happy with it, and he spoke against the fig tree, that it wouldn't survive anymore. And next thing we know, uh, the next time that they passed that particular place, the fig tree had died. The point being that when God has done something, when God has sacrificed, it requires action from us. 
That's just the way the kingdom of God is. One action means a reaction. I like to put the word a response from us. Yeah, a response. So we talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. The question is, yes, we've heard all that. What is the response? Because in Christianity, in the way that God does his business, a lack of response only leads one way. And this is not to put fear in anybody, this is not to threaten anybody. Again, we, we talked about this in episode one, everyone has the choice, the freedom to choose Christianity or not. But the fact of it is, the way that God does things, one thing has an effect on the other. It, it's uh, it's an interesting thought anyways. And um, I think what I will say in encouragement is that the Christian journey is is a is a difficult journey. But it's easy when you're in it. it, it it's, it's, it's a journey that's hard to start off on because of what you have to give up. But it's a journey that with time becomes easier. It's a journey where you have a lot of ups and downs. But then when you find your feet, it becomes easier. And the way, the truth and the life, Jesus, is what makes it easier. Because he, start, you know, he starts to show you the way. The, the, an easier way he starts to tell you the truth so that the things that you're thinking and believing and the misconceptions you have you start to let go of those and focus on the truth on him and then he gives you the promise of eternal life and that encourages you and keeps you going yeah. and we all have the choice to choose that or not yeah and as you said and i think you quoted Philippians chapter uh, three you know, one of the greatest apostles in the Bible, um, you don't have to be Christian to know him, but, but I'm sure you've heard of his name, um, Apostle Paul. And you speak of how he had to let a lot of things go. He, he spoke of, he says, everything I have gained, I counted all as lost. And, you know, that, that should be us. Everything that we know, everything that we have learned from our parents, our priest, our church leader, you know, from, we, we, we need to reach a point where we actually have to know him. You know, the verse says in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I want to know him. I want to know more of his power. You spoke of the power to, to know the way, the power to know the truth, and the power to experience eternal life. And he says that I may know that power, and that power of his resurrection, you know, my rest upon me. So, you know, our Christian journey involves seeking him more, about knowing Jesus more, because this same Jesus is the same person who speaks of this way, the truth, and the life. So we need to be our eyes should be fixed on him. And, you know, if, we, if you've been following our talk um, during this podcast, you'll see that we, we made reference to a lot, a lot of verses, especially from the book of Hebrews. And that's why I recommend that as, you know, as a Christian or as a new believer, that you take your time and at least maybe read the book of Hebrews and as well as Philippians. Those are very good books about knowing more about Jesus. I can guarantee if you want to know more about Jesus, those two books will expand more about him. I love it in Hebrews 1, just Hebrews 1 alone, speaks of how Christ is the, they use a very powerful word to say that he's the effigence, you know, the effluence, sorry, um, of the glory of God, it means he reflects the same glory of, of the Father. So I just urge you to, you know, take more time to study more about Christ, because we've been speaking of him being the way. So imagine if you know more about him, you know, you begin to understand what your purpose is. You know, you begin to understand which path you should follow. 
and because he is the path. So if you know more of him, then he'll he'll direct you more. And he's been doing the same for me and Sam, and I, I believe he'll begin to do more for you as well. And you know that's it. In Hebrews chapter twelve, I believe also talks about both looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It puts it in its plain meaning: looking onto Jesus, look at him, focus on him, because this whole gospel which we preach is central to Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Christ. We have to look onto him. And what does it say? For he is what? The author means he's the beginning of your faith. Sorry, let me finish it. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Means he's the beginning of your faith and the finisher of your faith. And I, we didn't really talk about this more, but you know, this idea, this concept of faith, we talk about all these things and we, you know, we always tend to omit the fact that, you know, this Christian journey, you know, is central to the idea of faith. Faith is the currency in which we trade in the Christian journey. For we to gain access to a lot of things, we need to have faith. We need to have faith. Even in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, it says that by grace are ye saved, not by works, by true faith. So even our belief that we are saved is not by our works, but our belief through faith. So right now, I may be condemned, but because I have prayed, you know, we always talk about the prayer of salvation, salvation prayer. How do you know you're saved? What gives you the guarantee that you're saved? You know, the pastor might tell you you're saved. The priest might tell you you're saved, but it's only through faith. You have to believe through faith that you are saved. Your faith in Christ Jesus is also important. And you have to look onto him. Why do you have to look onto him? Because he is the author of that faith. He's the one who initiates that faith. So that's, that's, that's how I want to close, is that we should continuously look onto him. We should follow him. You know, like we spoke of in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, believe, you believe in the Father, but please believe also in me. Believe also in me. He wants us to know that he is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to indeed save us from our sins. We have to look onto him on a consistent basis. And if we do so, as you say, we'll begin to find God, we'll find purpose, and of course, we'll, we'll find eternal life. Yeah, thanks, Emuve. I, I think you said that very well. So, look, this is it. We hope that you have been blessed. And if you ever want to listen back, if you ever want to get back in touch, absolutely feel free to listen back to the episodes and then, you know, send us an email at uh, or com at gmail.com. And uh, we'll get back to you, no doubt. Okay. So, Ebobe, thank you very much. Don't forget to check out our social media handles, that Christian Next Door and Pure Milk and Strong Meat and for exactly. more content. And we hope to see you soon. And God bless you. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the That Christian Next Door podcast. Through this season, we have opened our hearts and told our stories of the changes and lessons that we have come across in our various Christian journeys. We hope this has been a blessing to you. We would like to take this opportunity to refer you to our website, which is www.thatchristiannextdoor.com. It contains information and resources that may help anyone begin their Christian journey. Importantly, if you would like to pray the salvation prayer, which means you want to start a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son, there is a clear link at the top of our website page which can help you with this. 
We would like to hear from you about your stories, your feedback on the podcast, and how you are getting on in your Christian journey. You can do this using our email address, thatchristiannextdoor at gmail.com. We will be back soon by God's grace. Be blessed.